Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Let me try again. Hello, everyone. I'm Teresa. And I'm Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Hey, everyone. I'm Teresa. And I'm Sarah. And this is the Catch Me Up podcast, a podcast where Sarah and I, a married, queer, couple in healthcare that live in the South, catch up on our lives, current events, and hopefully get to talk to some interesting and dynamic people in the process. Are you comfortable like that? Do I look comfortable? You can scooch it back. <laughs> yeah, it'll move. I'm it's trying like to work a... on having good posture. Okay, great. Oh, that's hard. And that's that's just gonna hurt your neck, I feel like the whole time. I mean you can move it. If oh, you need to you scooch want. back, it should follow you backwards. My body feels indefinitely tense. <laughs> oh, oh my god, I'm Teresa. nervous. Teresa! It's fine, y'all. Oh my god. What had happened? What would have happened if it wasn't though? I just fell into the fireplace and you got it all on audio. And you, and Sarah and I would continue to solve the world's problems. We would. I would call EMS and be like, hey, I have a level three trauma. Can you take her to Erlanger and put her in one of the trauma bays and I'll be there after this episode's done. I was thinking it feels like the, you know, those <clears throat> YouTube videos that are really popular, kids watching people just like unwrap a gift slowly. Yes. I feel like this is the adult version yeah. of like listening to people talk about the things that you talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like therapeutic. Tabitha was like, I just felt like I was just like <clears throat> hanging out with you guys and you were chatting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. It does. It's like easy listening. It's. I'm not trying to be like. Hello. I don't know. I've li- I like super intense podcasts, um, especially things like about Harry Potter and like um, Tolkien's works. Uh, and and expectations like for the holidays is a little intense. Is it intense? Did you like that? But I liked it. Good. Well, I thought it was. I, people that was, might have been our like, biggest fight we've ever had. <clears throat> what do you mean? Because of the gifts that Sarah got growing up. <laughs> no, she did. Marco followed me and was like. Sarah did grow up in luxury. I was like, yes, she did. Y'all say that, but... You did. Yeah. It's okay to own it. Yeah, it's fine. But it wasn't like luxury. It was like middle Okay, let's say your parents... Your parents... I would say... Were good gift givers. They were good gift givers. Compared to the middle class that I was in, you were probably upper middle class. At least in the gift department. In the gift department. Maybe not in, like, your eating... I think we... My mom... Not just the gifts. The car situation... cars... Disney World. That's when we were doing really well. That was when we were, like, my parents were doing really well. Disney so World, upper, was that upper middle class? That's upper middle class. Okay. Yeah. No, the fight was about not going to Wisconsin. That was oh, the yeah. biggest fight we've ever had. Well, I was just, I have a hard time, like, hey. Sorry. But you continued to communicate afterwards. Oh, we, did. we sure did. That's did a positive take... compared to my recent relationships. Yeah. I did take a walk alone outside. <laughs> that felt very hard. But I knew you'd come back. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't. Oh, <laughs> are you sad? Everything's okay. I'm okay. Okay, I'm right. over caffeinated. Yeah, I could tell. <laughs> but I water. thought caffeine is supposed to be. Um... Did you take meds and drink yeah, caffeine? I oh, did. yeah. I've been listening to Britney Spears' the autobiography. Tell me about it. Is it crazy? It's good. Is she reading it? No, oh. she said it was too hard, yeah. so she just did the intro. But. 
Who's she? She talks about meds a lot. Britney Spears? Oh, you're listening to it. I don't know why I was like, who is she? <laughs> I thought you I thought you were, it's somebody else reading the book with What like, would you think if you if we you and I just now found out that Sarah had no idea who Britney Spears was? What would you, like what would that I mean it would just be some surprising cuz she's in Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. <laughs> She's a look over at my sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm staring at your chest for a couple of minutes, but I forgot the full. I put a bra on before you got here, so it would be propped up. Okay. Listen, I've gone out. I've gone out of the house twice alone in this sweatshirt, and two different women have talked to me. I was like, I told Sarah, I was like, like this is like a chick magnet. They're like, well, like your sweatshirt. Are you wait, though, what I would say, what a were lot they? Of queer people are Hufflepuffs. Were they Ravenclaws? Um. The girl today was... She was a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw, yeah. Or I, I would guess that it's mainly Ravenclaws that are getting real excited. <laughs> you think so? Yes. The other girl, I don't know what she was. She just was an offhanded comment. But I was like, you can't let me go out alone in this sweatshirt. Yeah. I feel like a Slytherin would notice but not say anything. Out of pride? Yeah. Okay. Should we start? All right. Hello, everybody. Hi. So we have a special guest today. We sure do. At the house. So we're here with uh, my friend Corey. Um, so I'll just give a quick, like, how we met. Sure. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. You can tell me if I give too much detail. <laughs> <laughs> so Corey and I met uh, in 2010 at a singles small group, mm-hmm. host, like, hosted by Brainerd Baptist. And it was a mixed gender. Is that what would you call it? Co-ed. Co-ed. That's a better <laughs> word for it. <laughs> mixed gender. Mixed gender. A co-ed uh, life group. And when I first met Corey, she had a cast on her wrist. She had just broken her wrist from um, cardboard sledding down uh, that garbage hill. Anyway, she fell down that. So obviously <laughs> she was... <laughs> Can you say that with a little more compassion? <laughs> she fell down the hill, broke her wrist, She's and we were having conversation in this small group. And you know, there were some interesting people in that group, right? And I was like, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to connect with any of these folks. And then in the co-ed group, Corey asked a very blunt question about... You can say it. And used the word, and I was like... Who is this person? I gotta get to know this I girl. need to be this person's friend. <laughs> and we, like, had our ups and downs. I wouldn't say we got super close until, what was it? Maybe, like, closer to, like, it was after Megan got married. So, I don't, I'm bad with years. 2015, maybe. Corey and I have been roommates. We have been life group leaders. Mm-hmm. And then... I feel a need to just say real quickly okay. that when we were roommates, we were not in a romantic relationship. <laughs> that Teresa specifically said one time when I asked her if she was attracted to me, no. She said, have you ever been attracted to me? And I said, no. I said, even in my swimsuit? And, then people... and she said, no. <laughs> and then people are offended by that. What do you mean? When you tell them they've never been attracted to them. That's true. Why, though? I don't know. You're not attracted to every man you meet. No. Right. I don't know why I was a little bit insulted (laughs) that I wasn't your type, but I just feel a need to say we were. Just friends and life group leaders and roommates. Mm -hmm. It's all platonic. Yes. Yeah. And then a couple years ago, Corey went overseas and became a missionary for the Southern Baptist Church, and I 
married a woman. So things have changed a bit in the last three years, four years, years, three and a half years, something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, our friendship is something that has changed, Evolved. evolved, and has definitely had its hard times and definitely has good times. And I just thought it would be a relevant and interesting thing to talk about. The ways that our friendship has changed, the things that we've struggled with in those changes as our beliefs have changed and our belief systems have changed. So, but let's get to know you a little yeah. bit better. Sorry. Tell us I a just little, like rambled. I know. Tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? What do you do? What do you do? Before I do that, <laughs> <laughs> can I also just say that we also dated the same guy? <laughs> we did. Oh. We've talked about this. Corey went on one uh. date. Corey went on one date with him. From online stuff. Mm. It was very awkward. Yeah. And then I, and then Corey was at Megan's wedding and my date at Megan's wedding. Like we were together. And I said, that guy looks familiar. And And Teresa said, uh, yeah, you went on a date with him. And then Corey's, one of Corey's good friends married him. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, so what I'm answering is. Just give us like a little intro to you, who you are. You can tell us whatever you want. Yes. I'm from uh, Port Huron, Michigan. I moved to Tennessee when I was 12. We moved Christmas Day or the day after Christmas of 92, and there was a blizzard in 93, mm-hmm. in like March of 93. Yep. You're like, we're trying to get away from this snow. And, now. and then we yeah. had the biggest snow <laughs> of the century. So that was wild. Yeah, from Michigan to public high school. Um, was dating a guy in high school that was going to this little private Christian college in Dayton, Tennessee. Um, so I went and looked at the college. We both went there. We ended up not staying together. Yeah, so now I, many things have happened since then, but I'm back working at that college as a counselor. Other things about me? What kind of counsel? Like, what's your, what is your? Specialization. Special, mm-hmm. So I did internships in addiction, eating disorder, drug alcohol at a church counseling center and at the college where I work now and then worked at the college for four years counseling what else have I done I've worked in the foster care system doing social work I work in I worked in community mental health which is people coming out of um, prison jail mental hospitals that was kind of rough for my personality and I did private practice for a while, and then I counseled refugees overseas for a couple of years. Specialization, I don't, I don't think I have a specialization. I've worked with various Yeah. Didn't you women. teach a class at Brian about... Yeah, I used... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm not sure if I'm remembering it right. What class I did, did you teach. teach I taught gen psych, social psych, adolescent psych, hmm. gender and sexuality. Oh, that's what I was remembering. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Do you feel like that class has changed at all? I at don't Brian? even... I don't know if they're still doing that class, but I even think back, I mean, we did that class nine, ten years ago. I'm sure we'd be sued for things that we said and or fired. I mean, you know, we're in the southern United States, so there's probably things that we said that were not politically correct and then probably things that we said that were not conservatively correct. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I mean, we're all learning yeah. every day. Right? We are learning. I will say we we didn't prescribe what to think. We explored different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I hope that there were good, open conversations. We're in the South. It's a private Christian college. 
evangelical. And when I worked there last, we, I have a friend from high school that is transgender, was a male in high school, is now a female. And she came and spoke in classes, and many students said that that was one of their most impactful yeah. college experiences. Okay, I'm supposed to be talking about myself. Um, That's okay. I love this. I'm anything else that you that I'm not sharing that I should share? What I do? You went overseas. You went yeah. to South Africa. Lived overseas in South Africa for a couple of years. I have one older brother. He's two years older. He's married with a daughter. And my dad passed away December first. January. 1st. January first. I thought. January first. Uh, two thousand nine. Is that right? 19, yeah, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. My mom's remarried. Yeah. Her mom is really great. Fun. Yeah? yeah? My mom is very fun. She's a seven. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Corey's a six, we should say. Six, well, we have to Six tell, wing seven. We're talking about the Enneagram. Yes. People don't know what the numbers mean. Right. Just us. Enneagram. Some people yeah. call the six the loyalist. Other people call the six anxious. I'm both. <laughs> Yeah. I've had an interesting relationship with sixes in the past. Mm. My mom's a six too, though. My mom, I do. I think I do well with six wing sevens. Yeah. Anxious but ready to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Six wing Worrying, five. Six wing. Still having six fun. Six wing five. Not the best track record. <laughs> six wing five would be hard because I don't know. Anxious and think a lot. Yeah. I think my seven wing helps me to get out of that. Mm-hmm. And then my mom is just super fun loving. And it's interesting because, you know, sixes really like stability and security, which I wouldn't necessarily say my mom was good at providing. But I'm so thankful that she was just really fun loving. So, you know, growing up, she would like get us out of bed to go take a night trip, like in our pajamas to go get a snack or go visit a friend. Yeah, Yeah. she's just very fun. That is fun. I'm a nine with eight, unfortunately. I'll cut all this out. I'm just thinking about how y'all have these conversations as if, like, nobody's out there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're just Is talking. that the way you... Okay. We're just what do you mean? As if nobody's listening. Mm-hmm. Is that bad? Like, it's offensive? No, not at all. I think that there's... I've had a lot of There's that. a little... There must be, like, an image management part of me that is, like... I don't feel like I have a great image anyway, so... I don't want you to have to do a lot of editing. Oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I enjoy it. We're, con- we're, like, talking to the animals all the time in ours. Like, it's fine. It's- I'm also a slow processor. Yeah. If, let's say, three years ago, 2020, uh, if somebody told you that in three years you were going to be sitting down on a podcast with Teresa and her wife, w- what would you have thought? Not surprised? <laughs> surprised. <laughs> I don't think that I would have been surprised this is like so hard because I don't think that we've even you and I have had conversations that Sarah and I haven't had conversations about this that I don't think it's surprising that I hold a traditional view of marriage Mm -hmm. marriage being between a man and a woman sanctified by God I could give my theology around that and I don't think that that's what you're asking for. Um, but I knew that you had had, I don't know the politically correct way to say this, same-sex attraction. Um, I knew that you had had attraction towards women, yeah. women, which even though why, even though I feel I need to know. say you were not attracted to me yeah. again. Um, <laughs> Let's reiterate. 
Still not, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't surprising, and I had had friends and had known people that grew up in the faith, were Christians, and I know of people that have walked away from their faith and chosen same-gender relationships. I know of people that have chosen to live in celibacy. I know of people that have chosen to have a traditional marriage. So I don't think it surprised me. I think based on my belief system, there was a lot of sadness because I felt like we were both single and celibate for different reasons um but it gave you like a little bit of like community community and yeah yeah. I think it gave me a like you know not settling for Teresa that was not having female relationships for me it was not having wasn't just sexual it was about like not settling for like subpar Mm -hmm. guys so yeah I think that there was a we're in this together even though that struggle was very different. Um, so it did not surprise me. I think that there was a part of me that had hoped that felt like there was a, I'm going to like start crying. Oh, I'm that, sorry. It's okay. That felt like, I think that there was like a camaraderie that felt, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, I'm 42, you're what, 40? So, I mean, at this age, um, there's not a whole lot of people, I would say that are like, Christians that take their faith seriously and want to live a life that's, I don't, I don't want to sound too Christianese, but a life that's like honoring to God. And so it felt like you were like one of those few people. Yeah, I was trying for sure. It's interesting because, so like the last year before you went overseas, we led a small group together, which was also like. At church, we should say, just for people listening. Yeah, it was a women's small group. Small. I mean, it was small. Like a group of 10 people. It was kind of like a Bible study. We would talk about the sermons or things like that. <clears throat> yeah. And it started right before COVID and then COVID happened and that got complicated. But during that year that you really started getting serious about going overseas, I felt like I was watching your faith and devotion to God increase in that time Mm -hmm. period, I felt like mine was decreasing. And one of the things that like I would bring up in counseling almost every time was you would talk in our small group, you would, there was a lot of reference to the sheep and the goats, right? Or the, what's the, do you know it? Do you want to say it? No, and I'm scared I'm sa- I'll am say it wrong, okay. but basically... But it is sheep and goats, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, people basically, like, uh, the we'll look it up. I'll say it in the <laughs> fact check. But basically, like, that all these people walking around thinking they're sheep are basically, on the Day of Judgment, going to find out they were actually goats, right? Mm-hmm. And Corey would say that in our group in a way that let me know that she was lumping me into the sheep part (laughs) and every time she said it I would be like I think I'm on a goat like and I would bring that into counseling and be like I don't like it really I think like seeing the realness of your faith really started and I'm I'm not blaming you obviously but like really started the questioning of mine 
in that like where did these beliefs come from what of them like what of them do i actually believe and y'all both found this scripture mm-hmm. do you want to read it it's a little bit long i was just oh. going to say the reference just in case that's fine people matthew 25 31 through 46 which i didn't realize <clears throat> i knew like the judgment aspect of it but i didn't realize that it like goes into like the i was hungry and you gave me food you know like that mm-hmm. kind of thing it i was just like it was about yeah it's I about loving it. i had this like on my mirror when i was like a teenager mm. but Aww. like not the first part but like this part the um, feeding and the clothing and yeah stuff. starting at verse 32 i had it like on my little mirror when i was growing up like my bathroom mirror mm-hmm. talking about what whatever you did not do for the least of these you did not do for mm-hmm. me so yeah i think like if i could go back and do it differently. I think that I would have been more honest and vulnerable about the deconstruction that I was experiencing because I do think like the way that it happened, like me basically deconstructing for a year with Lynn in counseling and then not really being honest about it until I had to because I was going to be with Sarah, I do think was really jarring. Mm-hmm. And Probably seemed out of nowhere. Probably seemed like it only had to do with the homosexuality issue in the church, which is not true. Like, there was so much more to it. But I I do know the way that I went about it probably wasn't the easiest way for people to understand or digest when, for me, it had been going on for quite a while. And then, yeah. And then it was just, like, seemingly out of nowhere. So, yeah. I think, like... You were probably the person I was most not afraid of. That's not the right way to say it. But, like, you were probably the person whose, like, opinion and reaction to all of it mattered the most or concerned, like, concerned me the most. And honestly, like, the, like, <clears throat> the weak and uh, cowardly part of me kind of had hoped, like, you would go overseas and I could do it while you were gone. Like, just because that would be easier, right? To not have to, like, Cause your face it. Because your departure got, like, pushed back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was... I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you being, like, nervous to even, like, go hang out with, like, go hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Because she was... Yeah, because, like, you were, like, you were dreading it so bad. Your opinion yeah. mattered to me. Like, I wasn't going to change... At that point, I realized, like, I was done living my life for other people's Mm -hmm. beliefs. Like, and I felt confident in that. But also, like, I think, like, you have always felt... I don't know how to word this. I know we're, like, we're peers. But I do, like, always... I have always felt like you've been in more of a, like, in my brain, like, mentor is not the right word. But... Like, I mean, smarter than me, more faithful than me, more devoted than me, more mature than me, like those kinds of things. And so there was an element of not feeling like super confident that I was going to be able to communicate with you in a way that was sufficient, maybe. Or does that make sense? Yeah, I guess I'm... No, like, I guess I'm wondering, like, what was your, like, worst fear? What did you anticipate my reaction being? Yeah, maybe that was part of it. It was not being able to predict your reaction. What were the options? <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously one was just, like, you're done with me. Yeah, never speaking again. 
Yeah. I didn't think that would be the, op- like, I didn't think that would be the outcome. I knew you'd be sad. I thought you might be angry. Can I? Sure. Can I jump in just a little bit? Sure. You're, uh, re- like, I remember, not just with Corey, but, like, with a, a lot of people, you didn't want to have to, like, debate people constantly, which is what you, at that yeah. point where it was, like, coming to be time where it was, like, Okay, it's time to tell. It's time to tell Corey. Like you had, like you were done debating with people. You were like, I'm so tired of having to like explain myself over and over. Yeah, and maybe too because like I feel like most people, if I were to get into debate, I would feel pretty confident in those debates, and maybe like not feeling as confident debating you. And yeah, I think like probably a fear of abandonment. I remember like <clears throat> when I talked to uh, a friend of mine who has a similar experience like she grew up in the church and dad was a pastor and all the things and I knew that she was married to a woman and so I had gotten together to talk to her and just kind of like get some advice about the way that she navigated a lot of that and I remember her saying to me like be prepared to find a new community you are I remember she said like you are gonna lose people and I maybe over like arrogantly thought I was like nope not my people like my people aren't gonna go anywhere my people love me because of who I am not because of what I believe and not because of who I'm with and I think I believed that and then obviously had a couple experiences where I realized like that wasn't 100% true and yeah I think like after you and I talked a couple times about it my biggest fear was that we just wouldn't get back to a place where we could just have a friendship like we had where we did enjoy like we enjoyed having hard conversations about all kinds of things yes like theology was part of that but but then it was not like it was world stuff or it was whatever it was being afraid that like that this thing was gonna prevent that from ever happening again and I feel like for a while it did right like But part of that was, like, you were living on a different continent and, you know, like, that was maybe more of a natural separation of time or something. Like, we weren't in each other's lives as much as we had been, you know, and then maybe, like, you being back has allowed that to happen again more naturally. Yeah, I feel like I'm just rambling. So, what what was your, like, experience, I guess? I mean, you said you were sad. Yeah, Yeah. so when you were talking about that, I was just thinking about these stages of when I didn't know about you and Sarah, I knew that something was going on and it's a really bad feeling when you know somebody's struggling and something's going on and is different and is pulling away and you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So I don't fault you at all for not telling me. Um, But that's, that was really like, I remember specific events during then where you were just like not very present and engaging, which you're a very present, engaging person. (laughs) You didn't have an appetite. That was a telltale sign that something was awry. Um, So that was a hard season. And then when you told me, I think what we started the conversation with, there was just, you know, there, there was a lot of sadness with, you know, you were also questioning your faith a lot and I don't know where you would say you are now like agnostic or if you even put a label on it but that was hard and you know we met at a small group at church and a lot of our relationship had been having theological conversations and so yeah it felt really hard that 
somebody that had walked the journey of me praying about and moving overseas. I I didn't know what that looked like to say, will you pray for me? Or mm. like all those conversations were very different. I don't think that this is surprising. Like hopefully I'm, you can cut this out if you don't like it, but um, you've historically struggled with codependency a bit. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> when you're in, you're all in. And I think I was the friend and we did a lot together. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, COVID was, yeah. you know, um, so then it was, there were several levels of losing, you know, it wasn't just about like who I thought you were. It was about like losing someone spiritually that we walked together, but also just like, you know, when I think about fun experiences that I've had in life, like you're probably in the top half of those experiences Mm -hmm. because you're just a really fun person you go big or go home on everything yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah I think that there was just like it just felt like a lot of a loss and I remember when you told me you know we'd been friends for a decade and had a lot of conversations about i hate saying the word homosexuality it feels like i'm like in the bible belt but homosexuality mm-hmm. like we so i just remember saying like i don't like there's nothing to be said that we haven't already talked about like but i do remember a season where i felt like i was looking for the opportunity to like say something that was truth or to remind you of who you were or And I am thankful that that I've moved beyond that. I feel like we can have a conversation and I don't feel like there's an agenda on my part of like looking for an opportunity to like share the gospel or (laughs) share a Bible verse or, you know, like I, if I was going to read a passage, I would read the passage from Corinthians about love and my hope is that like every time I leave your house for a conversation with you that you would just feel loved and that feels like way I feel like what maybe I'm the one that changed the climate of us being able just to have a normal relationship when I didn't feel like there was an agenda so yeah that was something I talked about in counseling a little bit in the beginning was not wanting to feel because I have been on like I've been on the other side right like I'm very well aware of the world I'm well aware I'm well aware of like it was a weird a weird dichotomy to be in when things were happening in the beginning that felt so hurtful to me but also it's all about like hold being able to hold two things true at once right like something being hurtful to me but knowing like I know that this is the way that they are taught to love people well, right? Like all of this is coming from a place of love, even if it hurts. Like, so I was able to see it from that side, right? It wasn't just like, I was like, these people are being unreasonable. Like it was like, I knew where it came from, whether it was hurtful or not. Right. But then as it moved past that and into like, okay, there, There's a few people who are going to stay in my life. Things don't feel as normal or natural as they once did, but, like, they're going to stay in my life. Then it became this, like, feeling of, like, I don't want to be... Witnessed to? No, not even that. I don't want to be, like, a 
project, maybe, is the mm-hmm. way, like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to feel like people were only hanging out with me so so that they felt like they were sharing the love of Christ with me. Like, that's fine. Like, that's fine if that's what's happened naturally, right? Like, I feel like now, like, when we hang out, like, it's natural. I know, like, that, I know the lens in which you see the world through, right? So I know that, like, a lot of the ways that you love the people around you is about Jesus loving you and then you loving people through that love. But, you know, like, I know that. But, but it, but there was a couple times, not, I'm not even saying with you. I'm just saying in general, there has been some times when I've hung out with people from that old season of life where it felt a little more like I'm like um, a mission opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to feel that way. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't want to be the topic of, um, you didn't want to be a prayer request. That was hard to let go of mm-hmm. because I know like the way the world works, right? So like I was like, I don't want to like go to lunch with somebody and then know that like when they're in their small group on Sunday, they're like talking about me as like I spent time with my same sex attracted friend <laughs> and I was able to buy her coffee and share her share with her. Like I didn't want to be that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is maybe just prideful. Like, who cares, right? Like, if that's what happens, that's what happens, and I don't have any control of that. But there was, I think there was this weird, like I said, this weird thing of, like, knowing what's going on in one world, but not being a part of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, that was difficult. I do feel like I don't have a label for what I believe, I'll just say. Like, I don't. It ebbs and flows. But I will say that I have become... I, it's, and it's like everything, right? Like time heals a lot of things and gives you perspective on a lot of things. And I will say like in the beginning when they would ask if they could pray with me, I took it as manipulative. Hmm. Like I didn't want to believe that like they were praying that Sarah and I would break up or like actively praying against like my life felt hurtful which I don't think that's what was happening and I don't think that's what's happening now but what I'll say is like I feel like I've gotten to a place where I am able to like see prayer for what it is and like or you know what it is to me but also like allowing it to be whatever it is for other people and not feeling like I'm not communicating well it's hard like there's so many like feelings around it and like thoughts around it but definitely feeling like I'm at a better place to, to receive those actions. Yeah, and not feel like there's any, like, ill intent behind mm-hmm. them, maybe, or, like, now that the, like manipulative f- intent behind yeah. them. Now that the, like, fear and, like, anger part of it is, like, smoothed over, I think it probably feels just a little easier. At least for me. I have, like... And the people that, like, the people that have stuck around, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the people that have stuck around, I feel like, have made an effort to like see my life and get to know Sarah and whether or not they agree with, I hate to say my lifestyle because that feels weird, but like whether or not like you subscribe to a traditional view of marriage or Mm -hmm. not, actions I feel like speak louder than words. And so like, I feel like, yeah, I've seen the way that like you've made an effort to try to like get to know the new me maybe. Mm-hmm. and yeah I think like I know that there's there's sadness on my end too but like I know that there's sadness of like and there was a grieving process of like that season of our friendship or that what that friendship looked like 
but feeling hopeful that like we are able to both be respectful and kind and loving uh, to each other, regardless of whether we believe the same things or not. Yeah. I'll say one thing, and then I, I mean, Sarah has been quite patient and quiet, and I would love to hear your thoughts or questions. But, I mean, I think one thing that has also my heart and my mind, I think I've gone through my own, I like to say disentangling versus deconstruction, (laughs) Um, which um, I got from... Ginger Duggar. Oh, funny. <laughs> um, yeah. She wrote a book on disentangling, like, the way that she grew up and faith from, like, like her faith from mm-hmm. that system. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a lot of things. I felt way more confident and put my, like, stake in the ground on things three years ago. I think some things that I've been through... I think the political environment that we've been a part of for the past, I don't know how many years, living in the South, going to a Southern Baptist church, going overseas with a denominational ministry. I think a lot of those things have made me see people put their stake in the ground on things that are not necessary, that are not actually like people end up not feeling loved, you know, Mm -hmm. like so maybe they have a message to tell. But the way that they tell it, they seem so angry mm-hmm. and disconnected. And so I think that God has humbled me a lot. And I hate the feeling of feeling less secure and confident. But I think that there's been, you know, you were speaking earlier about like, you know, feeling loved by God and then loving others well. And honestly, I think I performed a lot and did a lot for God and got my love from feeling obedient, my sense of love from feeling obedient, which is then how I loved other people too. So I think that there's been just, again, it feels very uncomfortable, but I feel like part of my generosity and grace and love towards you has come from realizing that it's not about what I do and what I'm producing. Because man, when you feel loved and accepted for what you do and produce, when you're in a situation, in a season where you can't do and produce, it's like a horrible feeling. And I would never want um, anybody around me to feel like I was withholding love because they weren't doing the right things. So I... Yeah, it's just, again, it feels more freeing to love you, not feeling like I need to be like doing something. So I'm thankful it's, it's not just about you changing. I mean, I feel like I've been in the process of changing and hopefully loving people better. And you and Sarah are in my prayer book. But it's not out of like... Cross me out of it. (laughs) It doesn't feel like it's like... I understand um, it's part of it is there is still an ongoing grieving of just, you know, especially, you know, I have a stressful romantic relationship situation and I want to say like, Hey, will you pray for me? And I don't know who you're praying to, or if that's even fair. So there's still a grieving in that. And I think that's why your name is on there. Mm-hmm. Um, is not like you need something, but more of God help me to navigate this in a way that I'm like loving mm-hmm. you well. Sarah, what would you like to say? I don't know. What well, you... has your, like, you've witnessed 
a lot over the three these last three years. Mm-hmm. What would you say your? I feel like okay. I'm gonna tell you what I think your experience. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I will say in the beginning. What was so difficult is something like you kind of just hit on, right? Where you said like in your disentanglement, you feel like your stake isn't as in the ground about certain things. And I think what was hard three years ago, not just with you, but with several people, is that when the stake is in the ground and you know that you are 100% right about something, right? Like a topic. There's no room. There's no room for questioning. There's no room for like doubt. There's no room for anything because you know you're right, right? And so I think that that black and whiteness is happening on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I think I don't think like the right has a a monopoly on that. I don't think I think that both sides are have the ability to do that and I think that it increases the divide, right? So like I think that as you say like your stake is less in the ground that leaves more room for vulnerability from whoever to feel uh, safe to express doubts or questions or things that are different from that, right? So in the beginning with Sarah, I feel like her stake was in the ground a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that was more out of like protectiveness. Like you didn't want me to be hurt. Like I was sad a lot and I cried a lot. But like Glennon Doyle... um, (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> wrote this book that I did never, never allowed myself to read while I was in the church because I knew, like, you know the things that I read, right? Like, I read things to help me to stay single and celibate, and I didn't want any other opinion because I knew how easily I would be swayed. So after leaving uh, the church and having made the decisions I made for myself, uh, Sarah had read it at some point and she was like, I think you should read it. I think you'd really like it. Well, I listened to it mm-hmm. and, uh, we actually listened to it on a drive and we were listening to just the first chapter and I was driving and I was sobbing uncontrollably to the point where like, I was like, I'm going to have to pull over. Like yeah. I can't drive like this <laughs> and it was a good book. It's fine. Whatever. But, but what I said coming out of that book was like, I feel like Glennon Doyle is, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be shouting out Glennon Doyle. Like, she's got, like, a highly successful podcast. But, like, and I love, I love Glennon Doyle. But I think she's, a, she's got her stake in the ground on the other side. And I feel like it's equally as harmful uh, in that she basically, <sighs> so, I, like, I, on one hand, I get it. It's like the other thing, right? Where I get where you're coming from, but also I don't agree with it. But then, like, with her, I get where it's coming from. It's a it's out of desire to protect her and her relationship and her family. But, like, her attitude was basically, like, if you don't 1,000% accept me and the person I love and our, our marriage, then you don't get to come. And I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Like yeah. that, that feels like the same thing, mm-hmm. just in the opposite direction. And I don't want to, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to say like, it's not okay over here, but it's okay over here. Yeah. And I do feel like in the beginning, Sarah was a little more like these people, like if, if you're get if you're getting hurt, like stop. And I'm like, well, it's not that easy. Like, so, and I do feel like you've come a long way from that like I feel like your stake is less in the ground just the same way yours is less in the ground yeah so in the beginning I had like I'm pretty black and white and like I don't know I say that but then I'm like right there in the middle like I'm like you know I'm a nine I can see both sides I'm a good negotiator but like when I am angry 
like threatened a move into like the eight side and I'm like super black and white and just I I don't know I go more on the the offensive instead of being just like defensive I go on the offensive and so I had like no tolerance for any like quote wishy-washy behavior or like feelings because there was like there were some people that were like going back and forth Mm -hmm. with you like I don't know and it was just like not you not you it wasn't you (laughs) okay but it was like just super frustrating and I would get so angry and like I what Glennon was talking about in her book about like if you're not a hundred percent or a thousand percent in you're like you're out because like, I felt like that, like, super protective, but it was kind of because I didn't have, like, the mental capacity for that, like, the new, like, I wasn't able to do any nuance because of, like... It felt a little bit, like, survival mode, I think. For in sure. In the beginning. Because everything was, like, new and scary and, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We both, like, blew up our worlds in a, in a way. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, in the, yeah, in the beginning when, like, all this was happening and all this was fresh, like, I just had no room for that, for, like, any nuance and... It's kind of like... Then it was like... Sorry, go ahead. And then it was like all these other things were happening too with like COVID. I was like angry about literally everything. So... Yeah. It was just... In the beginning was hard. I was going to say, kind of like you were saying how like it's harder to be less secure in your beliefs because it does feel less safe, right? Like it Mm -hmm. obviously is way safer to say like this is the right way and this is the wrong way. And I think similar to you, it felt safer to just be like either people love us or they don't. And, like, the in-between yeah. was scary. For sure. Because, yeah. like, the in-between could cause pain or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. so I think it was, it's very similar to, like, what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah. But. And I'm not as much of, like, a people pleaser as you are. And I'm, like, not scared to cut somebody off. I'm okay being, like, a loner and having nobody to keep myself feeling safe. Yeah. So, does that make sense? Yeah, it must feel nice to live that way. Doesn't it? <laughs> I get to just, like. That's not the way I live. Yeah. I know. It's just, a lot of it was because, like, I didn't know any of, like, I didn't know any of your friends. Mm -hmm. That was probably the hardest part, too. It's, like, it was all, all I knew was, like, what you were telling, like. You just saw me come home and cry. And then you Right, and then I was, like, grabbing a pitchfork and I was ready to go (laughs) hurt people, you know? Yeah. So, but that's because, like, I'm just fiercely protective of you. And I think there's something to be said on um, both ends, too, of, like, like you're saying, like you getting to know them, I think has been super helpful. For sure. It's hard to like hate people up It's close. hard to hate up close. That's what and, I've always said. Yeah. yeah. And so. Mm. Um, Not that I ever hated you. No. But Thank you. Just the, I, I think it was just like, you hated that I was sad. That, I mean like. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. It was hard to like, <clears throat> in the middle, it was hard in mm. that like, I wanted to. There was almost an element of, like, me protecting the church Hmm. from, like, I didn't want to, like, which this is another story for another day. Sarah deconstructed a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Like, Sarah has been out of the church since she was 16. Probably. And, And I didn't want to add any, like, fuel to that. Like, because I don't hate the church. You know what I mean? And, like, I don't. So it was, like. But it was so hard to, like, communicate the nuance of all of that, yeah. of, like, not wanting to... I didn't want to make her any more black and white than she already was, <laughs> I guess is what I'm yeah. trying to say. And I think when, like, the, like, I had been away from that, like, the language and, like, the kinds of relationships you have in church, you know, like, the friendships that you have in church and how... 
Let's I would say just, like language, like accountability, like words that would trigger you. Accountability partner yeah. and like, um, just like, I can't even think yeah, of any words right now, but it's like the language is a little triggering for me. Like because sheep of like, and goats. Yeah. I like when you were, when you, you were, when you were saying that, I was like remembering, I remember like the auditorium I was in when like that was being taught. Anyway. Yeah. yeah so like a lot of like my it brought up stuff. Yeah. But I, yeah, but I thought I had like, okay. so it was like stuff that I had thought that I had already worked through mm-hmm. and it like, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was like uncovering things. It was like digging up old stuff for me. Yeah. Even though it wasn't me going through it, you were going through it. It still like hurt me by proxy. Yeah. Like not indirectly. I was like, oh no. Let's all take a break. Let's take a break. You were talking about my experience brought bringing up a lot of stuff for you. Right. And so like I'm a nine. And so I have like all the patience and tolerance until I can't anymore. And then I have this like well of rage that comes out. Like I'm cool, cool, cool. And then I'm like not cool. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like what was happening. I was like cool with everything. Everything was fine. Like I don't know. At that point, I don't know if we had told people at work yet or not, but I was, we were like scared. Yeah, we were like, there was just like a lot of ex- like external factors. We were great. Like me and you were great having the best time. What? I mean, yes, we were having a good time, but like all these external things, things were happening. Were happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I like just got to the point where I was like, I feel like church was an easy thing to direct my like rage mm-hmm. at because it like wasn't like directly a person because like that mm-hmm. kind of goes against me as like a person who likes peace. So, like, the establishment, I can be, like, real, like, social justice. So, like, the church establishment itself, it felt easy to, like, be angry at that and direct all of my intense, searing rage at. But then I was, like, then I was, like, mad at myself because those things were, like, triggering me. So I was, like, angry that I was angry. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it just, like, fueled the fire. And then Teresa would have to be, like, you need to calm down. Like... (laughs) We can't be, it, she was like, it's not black and white like this. It's not all black and white. Yeah. And I was like, yes, it is. They either love you or they don't love you. But then it was like, I don't know. It took, I took it as like personal. Attack. And I was going through things with like my job and like, cause I was still working for, I was also working for like a Christian college and I don't know. It just kind of exacerbated like the way that I felt about the recent change, the things that were changing, like when I, in my last semester, as I was on my way out, I had to leave anyway, but that kind of like hastened my leaving. And so it was just like a lot of external things, but it's not that, I, I mean, I was, I did feel like angry at like individual people, but like, I didn't, it's like, I didn't even know who y'all were like outside of this situation, but I don't know now that I'm, now that I like know you and I love you and like all these other people, it, it's, I'm able to like have a little bit more tolerance and like understanding and like get into the nuance and stuff like that because well, one, I've, I think I've already dumped out all of that well of rage maybe not maybe i just put the lid i got a handle on it and put the lid back on it but i don't know i feel like a lot of that stuff also counseling shout out again to Chaz and angela for keeping the train on the tracks and also jenny phillips jenny thank you just for saving my life but um (laughs) yeah i feel like we got to work out that's a good thing sorry i don't know why i'm just i got a burst of energy and all of a sudden i have things to say go for it we like worked through a lot of this stuff in counseling as well in the we started counseling in the beginning even when nothing felt like it was wrong. And it was kind of helpful. Because a lot of it in the beginning was directed, not directed at you, but, like, just helping a lot of times you get through it. And then I got a little bit of, you know, extra. Yeah. 
I don't know. Where was I going with this? Oh. All that to say, I was angry, and then I was angry about being angry, and then I was like torching the establishment in my brain, in my brain, and then now I know it's not that simple. And a lot of it, I think, is because I got to know all of them. Like, I got to know people, like mm-hmm. as people. So, man, I thought I had a good finisher, and then I didn't. I don't okay. remember what I was gonna say. But anyway, those are my thoughts and feelings. I had feeling I felt a lot of anger. And uh, righteous, I felt a lot of righteous anger, I think is what it was, because I was like... What were you okay. going to say about... Yeah, what were you going to say, Corey? on the ground. Several thoughts. Is one, I think when you, y'all were experiencing that level of, like, anger, I think I was experiencing that level of sadness, mm-hmm. which, you know, makes it hard to engage in, like, relationship yeah. when there's that combination. Yeah. And then I was also going to say, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to just say that. I would like to say I was not angry. No. You were sad. There was a season where it felt like anything that was brought up about the church or our denomination. I was just tired. That you just seemed very cynical and jaded. I I understand why, but it just made it hard to engage. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I could see that. (laughs) All right. Stakes in the ground. Stakes in the ground. I, you know, ironically, we, there are things that are like core beliefs and core values, but there's a lot of things that we put our stakes in the ground that are not core beliefs and core values that give us like stability and security. And I would actually say like the more of those we have and the more black and white we are, the more insecure we actually are, right? Like we do that because we're trying to look for security. Mm-hmm. So I think that I just used to have more of those things than I still feel like a stake in the ground is my spiritual belief system. But I think there were all of these other little stakes tied to that. Mm that um it's interesting isn't it because i had said earlier i feel more uh less confident and less secure than i did like three or four years ago but in some ways there's a confidence that comes from like not having to put all of these Mm -hmm. it's like simplified it yeah 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 so i feel more able to sit and have a conversation with somebody that has a different value system because i'm not changing yeah like and I feel like sometimes when we're more insecure, we feel more of a need to fight because mm-hmm. we're, like, trying to prove something. Yeah, I get that. And when we were talking about um, the hard seasons, it's interesting because when I first went overseas, I was seeing a biblical counselor and some things in our relationship, Teresa and I, was, were difficult with navigating through converse, conversations just felt so different. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I could talk about and what I couldn't talk about. And at that point, I felt like I was still maybe lacing what I said with little things to put my stake in the ground or to remind her of who she was or who we were. And so there was a time that I remember thinking I might just have to say goodbye like to this relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I was thinking about this when you said cut off um, relationships. And my counselor, this biblical counselor said, Corey, the one thing I know about you is you don't just end relationships. So do what you need to do mm-hmm. to navigate through this. And it was really sweet that she said that because I was like, yeah, 
that's like loyalty is like one of the things that I really value and your little Hufflepuff. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I think since then when there have been you know, when I came back, I stayed the night at y'all's house mm-hmm. and that was like we could do a whole podcast on my emotionals, um my emotionals. <laughs> Like I, it was really fun, but it was a a another level of like reality, right? Like yeah. I had heard, I'd seen pictures, but then I'm True. like staying in your house. Yeah, I thought it was a bold first step for you. I did too. Like you, you're like not just am I gonna meet Sarah? You know, I'm gonna like stay in her house. I like to say vulva-y instead of ballsy. I do Whoa. feel like it was a vulva e move. vulva e move. It was. Yeah. I've been trying to get people at work to do this, too. Yeah. What's the courage, um... Gryffindor? Yeah. yeah. These are the times that I think that I belong in that house because I had anxiety, but I... I had anxiety, too, if it makes you feel any better. Yeah. You, I feel like you were nervous. Yeah. I don't know if I was I mean, nervous. I hadn't, like, seen you, first of all. Mm-hmm. So much That's had changed. True. And now you're coming to stay in my house with my wife. One week we're leading a small group together at a Southern Baptist church, and <gasps> the next week I'm staying at you and your wife's house. Right, exactly. I that's mean, what that's it felt like. That, yeah. yeah. But I just, when times have come up like that, I hear like those words of um, Corey, like loyal is what you are. And there's obviously a line on that, right? Like if there were, if y'all were like, demeaning or something towards like there might be a line that I have to say like this isn't good for my emotional mental health but I think it's it's cool that like somebody called that out in me when I had mm-hmm. gotten more fixated on our reactions to us changing yeah this is like changing gears a little bit but one of the things that I've talked about in counseling some that I thought would be interesting to talk to you about is noticing this thing in me <clears throat> specifically with my Christian friends of like really desiring and like wanting, how do I want to say this? So one time Sarah and I were, oh, we were going to the farmer's market. We were going to the uh, Sunday, like the Chattanooga market. Mm -hmm. And that was like, we had, well, first of all, we had never been Mm -hmm. together. Well, it had been COVID times, and it finally got to where it was, like, a little safer to go. And at that point, I had never run into anybody from the church, um, just out and about. And that, going there felt super vulnerable, because I was like, we used to go here after church, and this is going to be it. This is where, if I'm going to run into somebody, this is where it's going to be. And it was more like not knowing how that would go, and, like, anticipating that in my brain that was scary. But, so I vocalized that. I said something like feeling scared or feeling vulnerable and Sarah's like eight wing of like protectiveness came out and was like, basically like, I'll cut a bitch. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like more just like, I'll tell them they can, I'll tell them to mind their own business or I'll tell them to blah, 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 whatever it was. Yeah, whatever I said. And I was like, no, you won't. Like, you won't say anything. Like, we will be kind and we will be whatever. Mm-hmm. And we talked through that with Chaz, I think, and I was just, like, saying, like, these people already think I'm going to hell. Like, I don't want them to also then, like, I don't want them to see any bad behavior from me. Like, Mm -hmm. I want them to still see me as good. I want, I don't want them to be, like, I don't know what the, how, like. You were, like, 
not performing, almost perform, but, but like, like yeah, not ever wanting them like to have any more like grounds to think I was bad. Yeah. Does that make sense? And I think I noticed that in the beginning, like when you got back and us hanging, like wanting like so desperately for you to think I was good still. Or to think Sarah was good. And really having to, like, come to grips with that of, like, if I'm going to be in an authentic relationship with somebody, like, they're just going to see all of it. But and you can't control what other people think. Like, you, you oh, can't that. control mm-hmm. the story. That, too. Which you have a hard time with anyway. Even just, like, not relationship. You, like, <clears throat> you can't control what people think about you or say about you or, like, how yeah. they interpret the interaction. Yeah. So that's been hard. Yeah, and it's interesting because... I don't think, like, this, the topic of this podcast is not about hell and our beliefs about eternity, Uh so I don't even, like, want to talk about that, but I just love you a lot, and if I ever have thoughts about that, it doesn't feel like it's that simple, Mm -hmm. but, you know, regardless, I see people as made in the image of God, and so I hope that I interact with people in a way that they like feel seen and heard. And I think what's quite ironic is in a couple of conversations I've had, one with my therapist and another with a debrief that I went to for overseas work is that have personally struggled a lot with feeling accepted in some circles that I've been a part of because I have disentangled some of my beliefs. And one of the things that has come up with my counselor and in that debrief is the two people that I have felt like seen by and heard non-judgmentally are y'all. And that's quite hard to reconcile that I think that y'all have eternal souls and that there's one way to God through Christ, but then that I also feel most seen and heard. But um, I'm okay with living in like the gray and not being able to sort through all of that. So that is what it is, right? Yeah. I'm thankful that y'all, yeah, have just engaged and listened and taught me how to play pickleball and <laughs> yeah, yeah. encouraged me to ask a guy out for the first time. And Gosh, I was so proud of you. I was so proud. I was proud that you had, like, said anything to begin with, that you even, like, mentioned it. We won't talk more about that situation, but... <laughs> we yeah. won't talk any more about it, but I will say I'm just so proud. Thank you. Any final thoughts? I think I've overshared. Okay. That's okay. We can edit out the oversharing. Okay. Well, we love you. Love you so much. And you're so great. Too. We're mm-hmm. appreciative of your time and honesty and friendship yeah. Yeah. and willing to willingness to sit in the gray. The gray is scary. Yeah. But. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next time. If you have any questions or any comments can direct them to Instagram or to our email. Um, Instagram is at catchmeuppod and um, email is catchmeuppod at gmail.com um, or you can just text me <laughs> because... Y'all know us. Y'all know us, basically. <laughs> um, and yeah, be sure to rate uh, and review our podcast and follow us, subscribe, whatever uh, your platform wants you to do because that's how we get out there. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. So at least one thing you'll be able to get to and listen to. But thank you, Corey, for spending time with us and just let me cry.
express feelings, which I'm not really good at. So You're getting quieter and quieter. I know. I'm sorry. Okay. Getting further and further away. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Tschüss.